0: At least since the 1960s the idea or concept of the system has been in vogue. No one using it understood what this phrase referred to. Most people tended to associate it with the man, the individuals that represent authority to the newly liberated youth. The man were the people blocking the emergence of the new liberal consciousness, which as it turned out, was the nexus of a new system based on freedom without accountability. In short, the system was a reference to our parents' generation, their morals and authority over those who wanted freedom from adult responsibilities. In our childlike innocence, we wanted to play at being grown up, while the bills continued to be paid by the real grown-ups. But now the hippie is not only grown older he is stuck with paying the bills, and adulthood is no longer about free love and there is no longer any way to tune in, turn on and drop out. Dropping out is a tent amidst the squalor of like-minded failures and turning on is a death sentence. The system accumulated negative connotations with liberals. Liberals talk about systemic racism, systemic poverty and so on, as if it is civilization itself that is the enemy. This hatred of the system has degraded into arguments about the racist implications of being asked to get to work on time. We already know that questioning the motives or facts of liberals is being aggressive, racist, offensive and white. To question any narrative provided by the left is considered to be a perpetuation of systemic injustice. No one is permitted to defend the system. It is to be put in an unqualified negative light. Conservatives are expected to depend on those on the left to tell us where the fault lay and what the enemy looks like but the concept of a system is interesting when analyzed. Its meaning seriously constrains the analyst. A system cannot have independent or disconnected components. A system cannot be composed of relative forces that act independent of each other. A system cannot have competing administrative centers nor agents that exhibit independence in the way they operate. A system is a system because everything in the system is dedicated to a single purpose or end. A system needs a center which harmonizes the activity of the parts. A combustion engine is a system centered on conversion of energy sources into motion. But the system is more a system of systems. It is akin to a computer program that has subroutines which operate on and off in response to ongoing events. But the parts always serve the whole. The system does not permit of independent operations. The system is less about the mechanics than the purpose for which the system was created. But if the part was able to direct the whole, how could the system's operations be considered systematic? And, if it is a system, by what process could a peripheral component have independent operational capacity? Such a situation is incoherent and contradicts the very definition of what a system is. We cannot talk in an articulate way about a system that is not systemic. If the handling of an event is not dictated by how the system works, in effect if a process is not systemic, there is no system in place to deal with it, therefore it is wrong to talk about a system. A system has to have a purpose. There cannot be a systemic methodology if there is no ultimate purpose to what is being done. A system is defined by its purpose and its purpose is defined by the information it generates. But here is the problem. If the information generated is not testable or verifiable it is not information, it is considered noise. If the system merely produces noise, rather than information, how can it operate in anything like a systematic way? A car generates travel or forward motion measured in miles. A system of bookkeeping generates account balances usually measured in dollars. But what does the system generate and how do we measure the product of the system? The system produces value in the abstract measured by preferred shares or units of equity. Equity represents value added to assets. However, we cannot equate the system with what exists. The system is dimly seen by this system and influences it, but this system of things hardly duplicates the system. What is done as work bears fruit in this system and this work produces value and adds to the assets of God. What consumes value in a negative and destructive way is not of the system. Thus, as we implied above, there is a system but there is also a pseudo or false system that is not a system at all. The waste and excesses is the freedom of man we call liberalism. When the youth fight the system, they are attempting to invoke the mandate of liberalism. Liberalism is not a system. It is the antithesis of what a system is. Liberalism is the justification for parasitism. However, there is an even more important consideration when discussing the features of a system. A system has no redundant or superfluous or useless parts. In terms of the system, it has no redundancies in the form of parasites. Each part is important to the functioning of the system. To clarify what this means in terms of what we are dealing with here, the state, investors, welfare recipients, beggars and criminals are all parasites. Free riders are people who consume more value than they produce. The system is elegant. It is perfection personified. It is logical, so it cannot be broken or compromised, but it can be denied or supplemented with the satanic alternative we know of as liberalism. We all know the story of Eden, but it is usually interpreted as a kind of club to which we no longer have membership in. Adam and Eve lost their memberships and so moved away. But Eden is not a topographical place it cannot be located by a cartographer. However, Eden is a logical necessity because the issues of this world need a starting point. Eden needs to be considered a logical fulcrum or a logical ground zero. That which is added to this point is good, that which detracts from it is bad. Everything was accessible to Adam but one option. Everything was provided Adam that he could need, but one thing was redundant or incompatible with the status of man in eden why did adam and eve need to be wise what does it mean that they knew they were naked genesis 3 verses 6 to 7 and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Emotion entered the soul of man and from this we established ethics. Ethics gives us legal systems which is a system of justification the foundation of which is the emotional needs of man. Eden is also a narrative of how flesh entered into the world. The ungodly path Adam created was the path of the flesh. They saw they were naked because their rebellion manifested as what is viewed as physicality. Man was ejected from Eden because Eden represents the core of the system or ground zero of reality. Man by rebellion put himself in a negative balance re-god. This is an issue that requires Jesus to resolve. But faith is not apathy and being reborn is of little use if we are born as a stillbirth. Eden is a perfect system in that there was no division or room for exploitation. Rebellion created division between us and God. But Jesus is not going to save all who rebel. There has to be a reconciliation, or repentance. To repent is to turn aside from. This lack of repentance in some and repentance in others creates another subdivision, A division of sinners who have turned back to God and sinners who revel in their rebellion. The system is not Eden, and it is not a return to the perfect world God created, but it is a picture of the truth that has been made available to us. The system is logical. God cannot restore sinners to himself so long as we are in sin, this would defeat the logic we are in, and so, in one sense, we have to restore ourselves to a point where grace is possible. This is not true grace or true reconciliation. The system is a shadow of things to come of the truth of God as manifested on earth. The system is centered on the church as the spiritual correlate of God. This process of coming to faith and being reborn in spirit is the reverse of what happened in Eden. Rather than going from spirit to flesh the church is designed to take us from flesh to spirit in a process of rebirth. The Church binds us on earth so we can be bound in heaven. But to be eligible for this process we need to have faith. Christians must trust one another as we are required to put our faith in God. But man cannot know God and so must put his faith in the spiritual correlate of God, the Church. When we ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we created a debit and a liability we could not repay. Jesus must pay this debt for us, but the church is a way to divide the saved from the unsaved. As the church, we go from flesh to faith by following the injunctions laid down by Jesus. We have to enter the kingdom as a new creature under God. To have faith is to no longer rely on the flesh or the things of the flesh. This was why Jesus told the young man to sell all he had and follow him. This is why we are told the rich man is unable to make it into heaven. Relying on property to save us divorces us from those who can save us. Ultimately this is Jesus, but our salvation is in a practical sense, through the Church. It is through the Church we come to Jesus and live out our faith. We build the Church as we build our faith. We build up what belongs to us in contrast to taking from God what belongs to God. We as the church must add value to the things of God. This is what it means to build the church. But to do this we must utilize a unit of value akin to the dollar or yen. But monetary systems do not work as they have artificial value given to them by their owner and issuer. Bank credits are simply numbers in a computer, but they are attached to accounts owned and operated and administrated by a bank. As accounts or monetary values, these numbers or accounts have commercial value. How can they value their own value? It is like gum being used to measure length. Mankind has no claim on anything physical. We must start in a state of Eden, technically naked owning nothing. In a primitive state man take what he finds as he finds it. This stage is represented by Adam's use of fig leaves as a covering. These are inadequate for the use to which they were put we can hide from god and try and survive by taking what belongs to god but mankind cannot able to live off of nature as he finds it and survive god symbolically pushes us out of the garden the state of nature to live by the sweat of our brow but this is told to adam not eve but mankind still wants to eat of the tree and claim what is not his But we have no right to what belongs to God. At some point we need to add value to the things provided by God, to make them useful to us, in order to survive in a sustainable way. Land must be farmed, food needs to be processed and cooked. Raw material needs to be fabricated into clothes and shelter. But how to administrate this process? if there is no unit of value to measure the value of what is done and reward people for the work they do. Ought a small group of elites decide what the work of everyone else is worth? Being able to judge the value of others permits them to decide what their work is worth also. How is this fair? We need to standardize our unit of account to give its structure and definition and remove its subjective aspects. We call this process apriorism. It involves taking something that is fundamentally subjective and a posteriori and transforming it into a standard unit of comparison. Apriorism argues that the human mind naturally possesses a number of innate ideas and concepts which were not arrived at through experience or sense perception. The human mind is constructed on a logical chassis. Apriorism is contrasted with strict empiricism. Apriorism is the philosophical doctrine that humanity is capable of genuine knowledge independent of experience. Indeed, to know is only possible in the logical and analytical sense. Phenomenologists only get so far as to assume in a probabilistic sense that something is feasible or probable. Liberalism is the philosophical expression of materialism, in that liberals believe there is no innate or natural truth and that everything is up to the individual to decide. Only the exercise of power, modified and regulated by the law and a legal system, is able to justify what we call truth. What we are after is the truth, and the truth is what has value. To ascertain the truth requires a measure of the truth. If truth has value, then we need to measure the value created. A priori logic traces the implications of God. If God exists, what does it mean for humankind? We uncover the system designed by God for our use. The system is logical and analytical and discovered through deductive reasoning. It is predicated on the existence of God. It consists of God communicating to us logical information. But many do not like logic because it imposes constraints on how they think. The implications that accompany God is what offends liberals the most. If there is a God, their opinions and feelings do not matter. If there is a God, then there is a right and wrong and their preferences are irrelevant. If there is a God, the individual human or group is not what matters most. The system is centered on the truth of God becomes more important than the person inhabiting it. The person becomes an element of it not the central feature of a subjective reality. We become, as the Church, a means to an end the end of which is the truth of God.